Hi, welcome to Not Another Marketing Podcast, where I'm talking to Mark Raffin, the founder of B2B content marketing agency, Content Callout. Now, we're talking about using your employees and your colleagues and your team as brand evangelists. Thanks for downloading. Now, should you use your employees and colleagues as brand evangelists? They'll be shouting about the values of the company they work for online, on social media. Does this strategy work for all businesses? Uh, Lots of questions answered by Mark Raffin, the founder of B2B content marketing agency Content Callout. Now, Mark is a big fan of brand evangelism, but there are some pitfalls and there's a few things to watch out for. Mark explains all. Uh, Now, you can find Mark at contentcallout.com. That's contentcallout.com. Also on LinkedIn as well. Check out the links in the show notes. Can I quickly mention that Not Another Marketing Podcast is totally ad-free. Love it if you could give the pod a shout on social media. Subscribe via your favourite podcast app. Uh, You can find more episodes at jtid.co.uk forward slash podcasts. Now, the first thing I asked Mark was if we should be using our team, our employees, our colleagues as social media brand evangelists. Well, I think, John, for me, the evidence that you should is clear, but I think it comes with a few conditions. Um, And I think if you if you decide that this is something that you want to do, first, you have to ask the question, do I have happy people? Yeah. And do I have a good culture? And if the answer to that question is yes, then it's a no-brainer, right? Then you absolutely should have your employees be brand evangelists, or at least encourage your employees to be brand evangelists and social sellers, so to speak. But if you don't, then you probably have to fix the culture problem first, and then focus on the brand evangelism. Yeah, because I was thinking it does take a certain type of company to be able to do this well, doesn't it? It does. Uh, you know, I, th- I think private companies have a lot more flexibility. If you're, if you're a public company, um, you're beholden to shareholders, you're beholden to a lot of governance. Uh, it might be a lot more difficult. Not yeah. to say that it's not, Im- not possible, but it might be a lot more difficult. The, the the results and the and the data is pretty clear, right? Like the average, let's just use LinkedIn as an yeah. example. Um, the average personal profile when compared to a company page on the low end gets approximately four times the reach of a company page. Sure. On the high end, it gets 20x plus. So if you're thinking about how you create awareness for your company not utilizing your your team your employees those people that are like big evangelists period for your company is is silly it's it's actually not a good idea not to do it but again it comes with the condition that you know fix the culture make sure the culture is good and then and then the evangelism is easy Right. I mean, if you're if your people are happy, if you're if your people, if you have a great culture, why wouldn't someone want to talk about it? Yeah. Why wouldn't they want to build it? And it's not just about building up the company brand, but you're giving them the opportunity to build up their personal brand as well. And that's the way that I really think that we need to look at this. It's not necessarily about 
showing how amazing the organization is, but building those folks' personal brands. And in turn, as they build their personal brands, their personal brands are associated with your brand and it amplifies your brand. Yeah. So it's interesting what you say about LinkedIn because it's it's true, isn't it? I, I can't remember the last time I actually visited a company page on LinkedIn. It's always people I visit. Yeah, because we trust people, Yeah. right? Yeah. We trust people. And so when we see a face, we're like, oh, that person works... At content callout, amazing. Yeah. Let yeah. me engage with that person. Incredible. Yeah. But it's it's pretty rare, I think, for us to have the same kind of feeling to an independent brand. When we see people, we're like, oh, okay, great. Like for example, there are a lot of people on LinkedIn that very much encourage their employees to build personal brands because they know the power of it. Not only do they encourage it. But they they in, they basically say, here's the resources, right? They sure. create resources so that those people can create them. They give them the training. They give them the design assets. They give them the copy. They'll give them writing training, yeah. whatever it takes to help them build up their personal brands. And it's a, it's a really great investment for your team. I mean, yeah. we do that internally. I know a lot of other companies that do that as well. And it's paid a lot of dividends. So... When when we when we kind of look at look at all these branded, I think the easiest way is define what what you mean by a brand evangelist. I think that's the easiest way. Yeah. What yeah. Do you, what, do you, what what is an evangelist? Yeah, I th- I th- that's a really good question. So I think we need to distinguish between what a lot of people hear in influencer and what yeah. a lot of people hear in evangelist. An yeah. influencer is typically someone, and this is purely. I mean, the lines are a bit blurred, but someone who usually gets paid to influence on behalf of a brand. Sure. So you'll see this a lot on TikTok or Instagram or sometimes even Facebook where someone is paid who is already an influencer in an industry like an actor or someone who has their own marketing channel who makes their own videos to represent a particular brand, to use a product, to apply a service, whatever it might be to increase the reach of that brand. That's an influencer. A brand evangelist is someone who who could be or is a super fan of that brand. Right. So someone internally or external to the business who is really won over by the idea of loving that particular product or service. You see this a lot with like cult hot sauces, for example. Yeah. Like if you're a, a company that makes hot sauce, there are a lot of brand evangelists for particular small hot sauces. Like, And they've got a cult following. Those people yeah. are automatic brand evangelists. The whole idea behind doing that is to make a product and a service so good and so amazing that people naturally want to talk about it. Now, that's hard because the tendency is, for most people at least, to only raise your voice when you're angry. Yeah. Right? Most people only say something when they're upset. So your product and your service has to be so good that people want to talk about it. And then when they want to talk about it, it makes sense to encourage them to talk about it with all of the things that they need to do to be able to do that, which if it's an employee, you've you got to give them the resources to be able to do that. Sure. I, th- I think with the, the evangelist thing, I think Apple did it really well getting external evangelists, didn't it? Because, Absolutely. I mean, it's like a religion. Isn't it? I made the mistake a few weeks ago. So Somebody posted something and said, oh, this, this one Apple, this one bit of software doesn't work with the new um, M1 
MacBook, whatever they are, these newfangled chips that Apple have designed, and it didn't work very well with it. And I kind of like piped up with my logic on social media and said, well, actually, last year, um, all Apple's PC sales were only 8.5% of the market. So it's a very tiny amount. And then you take out of that 8.5% the people who use that particular chip, and then you take out of that the people who use that particular piece of software, and then you've probably got about 15 people. And they're not gonna, they're not going to like redesign their entire software to work with this thing when they've only got a few people. You oh, and the slaughter I had from that. I mean, because <laughs> because they were the evangelists. You can't say anything bad about it. Now you don't want your employees and your staff to be like that, do you? Because that can be negative, right? Sometimes, sometimes I, there there is some argument that people have around like you know should should we enable people to be able to do this internally within the business and there is granted there is some risk that comes with that because what we're essentially saying is we trust our employees right yeah. we trust our employees to be able to say the things we need them to say and sometimes that comes with a bit of risk yeah but if you've got a good culture and people are happy i think it's worth the risk yeah do you think we should give people a choice as to whether they want to do it? Because there are folks who literally just want to come to work to do their job as best as they can to get paid so they can live a lovely life. And that's it. Absolutely. I think there's there should be no – you can't force it. Hmm. You can't mandate something like yeah. this. I think you can encourage it. And I think you can make it positively rewarding. Like if you do it, you get this amazing stuff as a result. So we've seen a lot of um, evangelism programs that are that are reward based internally. So depending on the amount of posts that you make per month or people vote on the best quality post on a monthly basis, that person who has the best quality post or does the most posts gets a reward and the rewards are fairly substantial. Right. So I, I think I think there's a positive reward system around it. I don't think you should mandate it, though, and I don't think you should make it uh, KPI driven in that if you don't do a certain amount, then, you know, naughty you, because yeah. that's not the culture that you're trying to reinforce. What you're trying to reinforce is the opposite of that. You're trying to enforce it, the the happy, positive, outgoing sort of community-based inclusive culture and you can't do that when it's mandated no it was interesting at the beginning you said you need happy people to be able to do this at your company i think um amazon i think it was strange yesterday they cancelled their big brand evangelist thing where they were trying to get everybody in the warehouses to tweet and post about how wonderful it was to work at amazon and they've cancelled it because they didn't have any success with that did they so you need a happy place yeah, I, I mean, and wise decision on their yeah. part, right? Yeah, like, yeah, cancel yeah. that. Yeah. You know, you can't have your employees peeing in bottles. Sure. And then say, "Hey, this is a great place to work." To work, right? Yeah. Like, it's not, it's not a good idea. <laughs> no, not at all. No. Um. So, so if we move away from kind of LinkedIn slightly, because LinkedIn is its own little beast, isn't it? Where you are yourself on on LinkedIn, but if you start looking at things like Twitter and and maybe even some something like TikTok and 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 Snap mm-hmm. Snapchat and Instagram and that, um, should we be sort of setting up work social accounts for people or using their their own personal ones? I think it's up to them. I mm. think they can decide. If they want to use their personal ones, I think that's great, especially if they already have a following, because then you're piggybacking on the following that already exists. Yeah. But if they say, hey, look, I'm into this idea, and I want to be a brand evangelist, I, don't, I just don't want to use my own personal accounts, no problem. Create 
other accounts for them. But I think, you again, this goes back to your earlier point about, look, you can't force it, right? Sure. So you've got to come on their terms. If they want you to create a personal account for them, great. That's great. Invest in that. Yeah, so you could have like a, an account sort of like Bev name, you know, Bev name of company, Dave name of company or something like that. And, and they are completely separate from their own personal accounts. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. That does definitely. How much control do you think we should have over what people post? Zero. Yeah, that's that's, that's gonna fair, that's gonna scare some people. Yeah, it's a fairly extreme viewpoint. So yeah. let me back it up. Um, I think control is you're you're lulling yourself into a false sense of security if you think you have control. So it is the person's own person let's just say it's their own personal account whether it's twitter TikTok, instagram linkedin whatever it might be most likely you're utilizing a pre-existing personal account yeah you have no ability or you should have no ability to control the personal posts of that person sure all you can do is encourage the posts now i think you can have guidelines right internally within the business right yeah. especially if you say things like look you know we would prefer if you didn't post anything that was incredibly polarizing about religion or politics or abortion or gender or race or things like that because that becomes a bit of a minefield to be able to steer the company through if and when a PR crisis does happen. Someone says something that they maybe should have thought more deeply about before they decided to post it. That being said, it depends on the organization that you go into. There are a lot of companies that have very strong um, ideological viewpoints from yeah. founder all the way down. And if the founder says, hey, look, we really believe in equality and equity, and that's a big deal for us. So we want to encourage you to post about that stuff as much as possible. Great. But I think it's you can create guidelines without mandating what should or should not be posted. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm kind of thinking it goes back slightly about work social accounts, doesn't it, having something separate? Because you could quite a person could quite easily be an activist about a certain thing in their personal life and a marketing manager for a big company in their other life, work right. life. Yeah, and, yeah, and, exactly. and you don't really want the two to cross over. Yeah, I mean, therein, you, therein lies the risk, yeah. right? I mean, to our earlier discussion, if, if you're going to give people the freedom to be able to post things like that, then you've got to believe in that freedom. Um, and that's that's look, there's things that, for example, my employees have posted in the past where I'm like, I don't know that I agree with that. Yeah. But because I believe so strongly in their ability to be free in what they post, I'm OK with it because the benefits that I get as a result of having happy employees evangelizing our services, our products, our company and building their own personal brands far outweigh, at average, far outweigh whatever things that I might not necessarily agree with. Yeah, and it's all going back to the culture of the company again as well. Right, isn't it? exactly. Is, yeah, yeah. So what types of things should people be kind of posting about their company? What sort of topics are we talking about? We're not just talking about, oh, we've got a great widget here, buy it now. We're not selling, are we? No, I, I, think, I think you have to think about why someone would want to do it. So, 
in in like let's review. So if uh, if you've got a salesperson, it's it's not that the salesperson would sell on social media. Sure. You're creating a situation where they can spread that message. If you're not, if you've got a developer, you're you're not going to have a person talk about the intricacies of a software product on social media. You're going to talk about how much more efficient or effective good development is. This is why per, the personal brand is so important because it shouldn't be about the company. It should be about the problems that the company can solve for the customer. So I think you could always always think about it from that perspective. So probably the easiest and the best thing to do is if you're worried about, you know, what should my employees be posting or or how can I encourage them to post about the right things is write the copy for them and sure. make it available to them so that they can use those posts for you. And what a lot of people fall into the trap of is they talk about the, you know, the features of a product or the features of a yeah. service. They don't talk about the problems that that product or service might solve. So it and, and it has to do that. And it also has to. I, we look at content through three lenses. It has to be educational. It has to be entertaining, and it has to be informative. And if you can hit at least two out of three of those, you're doing very well. But you can't. Think of it as a, you know, a, a, like, hey, check out this amazing feature that our widget has. It's incredible yeah. and does these three things. It chops and slices and a, it's got a foldable cutting board and a meat yeah. smoker. You know, like it's, yeah, it's that that kind of stuff is not going to sell your your company, period. So get someone who's good at writing copy to think about the challenges that the customer might be going through. Write that copy and make it available to your employees. Yeah, I was I was interviewing um, Anna from ManyChat.com yesterday for the mm. for the podcast, and and um, she came up with a really good analogy that it's very much like dating. Like you, you wouldn't go on a first date and say marry me. So you, you're kind of like you wouldn't go straight on social media or something. Buy my stuff. Right. Exactly. Think of I like to think of social media as the biggest networking event you've ever been to. Yeah. Right. Like like a conference that you may have gone to. You would never walk up to someone in a conference and say. Hey, I'm Mark. Buy my stuff. Yeah. Right? Like, that would never happen. I agree with her entirely. You would walk up and say, hey, how are you? That's yeah. Great. Nice to meet you. What do you do? Right? Yeah. It's a conversation. Yeah. And I think as, if you can view it as a conversation, it becomes a lot easier. What is it about digital that makes it more difficult to, to have a conversation and makes us want to sell more? Because, I mean, you only have to open up LinkedIn, don't you? I mean, well, the I've always, I've said it many times on this podcast, um, the, the, the LinkedIn in, uh, algorithm hates me completely. <laughs> I, it really does. And, and I just opened LinkedIn, and within two or three scrolls, I've just lost the will to live. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's people telling me their daily routines, and I've got to eat, drink these shakes, and I've got to go to the gym, and I've got to do, th oh, man. Well, yeah. the, the thing with any algorithm and any feed that you have on any social media is that it serves you what you look at most. Oh, so yeah. it's it's going to it's going to serve you the things that you engage with and that you look at. And the easiest way to change that is to not follow those people anymore <laughs> and start following the folks that you you want to see content from. So we make a, a concerted effort to keep lists of particular folks in our network that we want to follow and we always engage on their content because we want to see more of it. Um, and I, I think that's probably the 
biggest thing that a lot of, especially senior executives, when you try to sell them sort of the evangelism idea is that they're like, well, but my LinkedIn sucks or yeah. my Facebook is terrible. It's just someone sharing recipes and conspiracy theories. Yeah. yeah. And I get it, you know, but that's because we haven't curated it. Yeah. And so when you think of people who are curating their feeds, that's why it has to be entertaining, informative, and educational, because you're competing against all of those other topics that may come up that people might want to engage on. And people engage on things that either enrage them or make them happy or educate them. It, it, must, so, be, it must be measuring the amount of time I just sit there shaking my head. <laughs> Yeah. And so we want to make sure that we when we create that content, I mean, look, we're, it's a competitive environment. We're yeah. competing with all those other posts. Um, so it, it only makes sense to make something that people want to engage. Yeah, on. it would be nice if 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 all of us just had more conversations, I think, on social media, wouldn't it? Instead I think of, so. Yeah, and I think yeah. there's I mean, look, you're always going to have your external inputs where people are going to get angry about something that they've said. And critical thinking doesn't necessarily always leap into social media, but that's that's okay as well. You know, tension and frustration sometimes are okay. And some one of the things, for example, that we advise a lot of people to do when we are building their evangelism is pick a polarizing view that's not polarizing in the sense that everyone will hate you. Sure. But it's got to be something that is polarizing within your industry. Yeah. So for example, um, it could be, there's another company that I run, for example, that's a company called Negotiations Ninja. And it's a negotiation training and coaching company. One of the polarizing views that we picked early that we really believe in is that win-win negotiations are the biggest lie that's ever been told in the negotiation world. Right. Now, when I say that out loud, everyone goes, what do you mean? That's outrageous. Yeah. I can't believe you would say that. And so that sparks conversation. It sparks a discussion so that we can say, okay, well, here's why, and what's your input? Yeah. And that helps. Now, you can't, you, you got to do that within the industry that's, you know, it's a commonly held belief for at least, you know, a, a small majority of the people. Because once you can oppose that and you can back it up, then it becomes a conversation point. But you can't do it about something that's incredibly polarizing across the vast majority of the population, yeah. right? Where you talk about religion, politics, race, gender, all the rest of it. That's, that's too big. You've got to think of something smaller that's within the industry. Yeah, and like you said, I think you've got to be able to back things up when you say it. I think that's quite oh, important, absolutely. isn't it? Yeah. Because if, I, if you just say something and you can't back it up, now you just look like an idiot. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, what do we do if somebody goes rogue? That's a really good question. Yeah. So what? let me, let me ask you a counter question. What do you mean by rogue? <laughs> well, I'm thinking of HMV in the UK from many, 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 many years ago when when they they found out they'd all been fired on the news at eight o'clock in the morning before they got to work. So they went mad on social media for a few hours until somebody found the password and changed it. Um, it's kind of like, you know, you, you you fall out with your company, you fall out with your business, something happens and you decide to say all. Yeah. I mean, look, I don't have any great advice here. Uh, I think my advice would be why my question would be, why has the person gone rogue or why have the people gone rogue? That HMV example, for example, is like a perfect example. Yeah. Like that should never have happened. Exactly. 
that's not the that's not the employee's fault. That's sure. the employer's fault. Yeah. So um, it, it's it's a risk. But I think if you've again, I'm going to go back to the happy people example. If you've got happy people, if you've got a good culture, that risk is pretty low. And people look, especially executives that look at this, they they think of the social media risk as being binary, right? Like there, yeah. there's a risk, and so we're not going to do it. But risk is, doesn't work that way. You've got to think of what's the probability of the risk occurring, and then what's the impact if that risk does occur. Yeah. So. I think the probability, if you, as long as the culture is good and you've got happy people, the probability is incredibly low. Yeah, I was talking to somebody well quite a while ago. I think it was before Christmas, quite a, quite a while ago, and they were saying that we, we spend a lot of time and a lot of effort having sort of like all these happy onboarding experiences for new staff. But if we ever had to have to let someone go, even fire them, unless they've like broken the law and they've been walked out in handcuffs, for example, and um, if they're just being fired for whatever reason, we don't deal with that particularly well do we 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 should have more of a happy firing experience do you know what I mean? oh, it sounds a bit ironic that doesn't it but, but do you know what i mean yeah i know i'm a big i'm a big proponent of supporting people in the transition yeah right? like you're giving them the opportunity to be able to seek other employment you're giving yourself the opportunity to find other people to do their job and if you're going to give them the opportunity to seek other employment then support them in that process yeah, that's a good idea, isn't it? Instead, because you do all that support and everything when you hire somebody. Absolutely. So you should, Absolutely. yeah, you should if you have. I to... mean, look, brand is more than just your logo and what your copy sounds yeah. like, right? Yeah. It's your culture, it's your employees, it's how everyone acts on a day-to-day basis. It's the promise you make to your customers. That that all encompasses your brand, and people don't think it's for whatever reason they separate, you know, the the marketing from the onboarding or the you know the the exit process and that that's bad because if we don't have brand congruency there then that's not that's not going to help the organization comes down to culture again if everybody comes into work happy if everybody comes into work hated the business then don't don't do this yeah yeah look if you're if your people like hate every day and they're really upset this is a really bad idea don't don't do this That's why that's why Amazon pulled the plug on that, right? Yeah. Like, cause, like the amount of backlash social media wise that yeah. would have occurred would have been monumental. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, Mark, I could chat for ages about this. It's fascinating. And where can we find you? Where's your website and your social bits? Best place to find us would be on our website at contentcallout.com or you can find me on LinkedIn at Mark Raffin or just search Content Callout. Happy to have a discussion with anyone. If you just mention John's podcast, I'd be happy to have a chat with you and connect. Fantastic. Brilliant. Thanks ever so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me, John. I appreciate it as well. Thanks again to Mark for his time. If you've enjoyed this episode, you can subscribe for more on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, your favourite podcast player. Uh, Just search for Not Another Marketing Podcast. Thanks for listening.